0: Welcome to the Secret to My Success show. Our guests will inspire, educate, and motivate our listeners who own a business or dream about being a business owner. Today's guests will share their stories and the secrets to their success. They have valuable insight with what they went through to start and grow their business. They will share the good, the bad, and the ugly. I promise it will be fun and valuable. Later in the show, former Major League Baseball player Luis Aliseo will be here talking to former celebrities and athletes about their transition from fame to being hands-on business owners. My name is Alan Bornstein. And I'm George Cruz. I'm kind of like the
1: sidekick, but I'm better looking, younger, and funnier than Alan. Anyways, Alan and I will be with you throughout today's show, getting insightful information. We believe you can learn from the successes and failures of today's guests. Each has unique and insightful experiences. This is the MBA program for those that graduated from the School of Hard Work and want to excel as business owners.
0: Good morning. This is Alan with Secret to My Success, and I'm here with George. George, say something. Something. Louie. How are you, sir? How are you, sir? Good, good, good. Great day. Excellent. Another sunny Saturday morning here in South Florida. And we are here with a gentleman by the name of Michael Whitehouse, which is interesting. I've always... I'm sorry? I said that's me. That's you, Michael! (laughs) Thanks for being with us. So, Michael, my claim to fame has always been that I've been this networking guy, and everybody says, Oh, I know a guy. I know a guy. He's the guy who knows a guy. And it's funny. We have you, the author of The Guy Who Knows a Guy. (laughs) So it's like official. Mm-hmm. That's, that's you, yes. right?
2: Yep, yep. My website is Guy.com. My book is The Guy Who Knows a Guy. That's, that's what I do. That's who I am. He okay. is the guy.
0: It's a little politically incorrect because it probably should be a person who knows lots of people. True. This is the 21st century, but he is that, that the guy. That
2: would be an awful book title, though.
0: <laughs> oh, well, A Guy Who Knows a Guy is – you're right. It's, it's, it's yeah. definitely thought-provoking. Uh, you don't go yes. out into yeah. the
1: street and it's like, I, I have a person who knows a person. No, you're like,
2: I have a guy.
0: Okay, so I got a guy. So let's talk about you, our guy, Mike Whitehouse. First of all, is your name really Whitehouse, or did somebody change it? That to-
2: it is really Whitehouse. That's my father's name, and his father's name, and his father's name. And
0: he was born in the Whitehouse. Were
2: you born in? the No, Whitehouse? actually, our house is blue. Uh, disappointingly enough. So, so in,
0: a Whitehouse was born in a blue house.
2: I don't know what what kind of house he was born in. Probably a brick hospital, I would imagine. Oh.
0: This is confusing. Okay, let's, let's get yeah. back to <laughs> Let's get <laughs> focused. So, Mike, tell us a little bit about you, what you do, and uh, your book, and let's hear some stories.
2: Yeah. So, so what I do is I'm a business coach uh, focusing in, in networking. I help business owners to, to figure out those, you know, when you get into business, there's a thousand things you don't know, and a thousand more things you don't even know you don't know. So in my travels, because I'm a compulsive networker, I've met with over 2,000 different entrepreneurs and experts and authorities, and I've learned a bit from every one of them. So I know a little bit about almost everything. So when I talk to an entrepreneur, and they're talking about different challenges or things they're trying, and I can warn them that pitfalls are coming up, I can let them know what opportunities they might not be aware of, tools that exist they might not know, and of course, people that they should know that I can introduce them to. So I've, I've always been basically when I have nothing better to do, I do more networking. So whenever I'm kind of building a business or not sure where to go next to my business, I just meet another couple hundred people and get out there and and attend every event I can and and, uh, make more connections and make connections among those connections.
1: And Michael, I I, I just want to talk about that real quick. So what got you into that? You said that you're just a compulsive networking uh, guru. Mm -hmm. How did you get into that?
2: Uh, so it, it started back in, in 2010. I had a, a, a failed effort to be a financial advisor because financial advising is basically before they teach you how to actually do anything useful. You have to go out and like, do a lot of cold calling and, and get clients. And I said, I don't want a cold call. Let me try this networking thing I've heard about. And uh, that was kind of my, my, my prototype of networking, practice it a bit. And then in 2014 when I moved out to uh, Groton, Connecticut, where I live now, I had the idea of launching some kind of consulting business, and I knew absolutely no one in the entire county I was moving into, and I said, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing, but I know I need to meet a lot of people. So the day before we actually moved into our apartment, I went to a Chamber of Commerce event, and then just went to every event I could, um, as basically brute force networking. I went to everything I could, meeting everyone I could, and the important thing was I wasn't going with the attitude of, what can I take, and what can I get from these people? It was all, how can I help the people I'm meeting? So. Even if I only knew three people in the room, I would try to find some way to introduce one of those people to one of the other people I knew and create some value in those connections.
0: Mike, I would agree that that is the best way to go. I'm a former dinosaur. I used to believe in cold calling. Way back when they had the telephone calling machines to get out there and get (laughs) new business. And by the way, I'm from Connecticut as well, so Groton's a beautiful place to hang out.
3: I'm just something with connecticut because i'll tell you what i the first time i met you uh alan uh, this, this is like your twin brother and we're talking on the other side i mean you you really i mean you open the doors you make sure you said hey when you come in here make sure she knows who you are and when you leave make sure she remembers you so the next time you come in here again
0: and i'll tell you it's about networking is also very important that you make it so that people remember you that you mm-hmm. do something that separates you from everybody else. And our business cards are $100 bills with our picture on them. And people tell me they can never throw them out. So, Mike, speaking <laughs> of that, how do you separate yourself from everybody else that calls themselves a business coach? Because I'm going to tell you a story after you give me your answer. Let me hear.
2: So I, I usually, in circles where there's a lot of business coaches, I call myself a networking coach to differentiate by title. But the big thing I do that's, that's different um, is whenever I'm in a, a networking setting, my first thought is, who can I refer this person to? How can I give them direct value just from this conversation? And the result of that, and you know, I'll make an introduction and forget I did it five minutes later. I'll just you know shoot off, a, hey, you two should meet. He and, is my brother. And the I'm, yeah, I'm and a number of times I'll talk to someone, six months, you know, I'll talk to people. I don't remember meeting them in the first place. I'll say, oh, thank you so much for getting me that job or connecting me with with that guy. It turned into this big deal. Or this. I'm I'm great at connecting people. I'm terrible at getting paid for it, but I'm great at connecting people. And <laughs> and a lot it's just because I I just do it because it's the right thing to do. So you um, make you make more friends
0: than clients, correct?
2: Th- that would be accurate, yes. Okay. I met yep, this great. guy.
0: He was 24 years old, and it wasn't George. And he was telling me that he was this business coach. I, <laughs> s- I said, oh, great. So explain to me what you are. And he's trying to answer, and he doesn't know. I'm like, hey, buddy, you're in pretty good shape. If you were going to be in the gym trying to teach me how to work out, I'd feel pretty good about that. But I'm not sure how I would take your coaching practices to heart, being that I'm twice <laughs> your age and I don't see your success. And he says, well, what do you mean? I'm like, you need an elevator pitch. He's like, well, what would I be? I said, I'll tell you what. For you, I would look at a big cruise ship. Has everything on it. Every amenity. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And that big cruise ship, when it needs to get through tight spaces, there's this ugly little tugboat that gets in front of it and pulls it around and pushes it around and gets it through. You should tell people you're the tugboat. (laughs) Mm, I like that. So I am a big believer in visuals. So tell me your book how do you think your book can help anybody obviously it's a visual somebody can read it is it an online book as yep. well or is it just paper
2: uh yeah you can get it online so you, you can get it on amazon and in kindle form or in uh, in book form or if you go to my website and email me and ask nicely i'll send i usually send out free digital copies cuz it's a great way to get to know me you know talking about business cards that people remember if I hand someone a copy of my book, they're not going to throw that away. So that's, that's a lot of the power of it.
0: Well, they might throw it aside and not read it. So let's get them excited about yeah. reading your book. What's the three yeah. biggest takeaways from your book?
2: Uh, so the, the, the first one is that it teaches you the key to networking, which is getting the right mindset to it. You know, it teaches you what that mindset is. The second thing it's going to teach is how to, how to network up. So I think a lot of people network at their own level, and it's very hard to move up in the world if you're only talking to people just like yourself. So there's some great tools for how to build relationships with people who you might perceive as above your station. Um, and uh, and then the third thing I'll say is it's fun. Uh, it's, you know, when, you, when you hear a networking book, a lot of people are like, oh, networking book. Yeah, I'll read that before I go to bed so it'll help me go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> but this, this is not that book. This is fun. I've, you know, some people have read it have told me, like, I never expected to laugh so much reading a book about networking.
3: Mm-hmm. Michael, and, well, i gotta, I got to ask. Michael, I got to yeah. ask you, listen to you talk and obviously uh, reminds me a lot of love, my, my friend Alan and Alan doesn't take no for an answer, but I know there's always people there that have a lot of challenges and things like that. Have you come across or when you come across somebody that is resistant, you know, what is your, what is your approach? Uh,
2: re- resistant to what?
3: They think no is the end of it. And I think no, it should be a beginning of something else in how do, how do you approach that?
2: So what, what I've found is the world is so big and there are so many people in it that I rarely encounter a situation where I have to deal with someone who's that persistently negative. I mean, you know, sometimes bureaucrats and you know, if I'm going to the, the DMV or something, uh, I might have someone like that. But but in the world of business, if someone's really, no, 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 this isn't going to work for me, all right, cool. I have so many people I can work with, so many people I can partner with, so many potential clients, um, so many People I can have on my podcast. You know, there's so many people that if someone's just going to be like, no, 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 it's not worth my time to try to convince them otherwise. I'm just going to move on. And often that's the most convincing thing. Once I stop trying to convince them, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I didn't, I didn't mean no. I meant, uh, you know.
3: Keep talking so to you me. have an angle for it.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's not worth my time and energy to fight against someone who's who's not open to to learning and to having a conversation.
0: Mike, I truly believe that in large group situations that people need to stand out. And I never forget, I'm in a networking group and I'm a Red Sox fan, I wear my Red Sox hat and wear a jacket and slacks. And there's 300 people in the room and they're going around introducing everybody. And the woman stands up who's running the meeting and she says, sir, I need you to take off your hat before you do your introduction. And I said, ma'am, if we're gonna undress, it's gonna start with you, not me. It's just no. <laughs> I'm serious. I said, me too. And I can't promise that if you undress, I'm taking off my hat. So I give my spiel. I sit down. 30 people in the room come up after me apologizing. I'm like, why? They said, what that woman did is so embarrassing. I'm like, no, sir. She made me recognized by everybody in the room. So it's kind of like a billboard. Sometimes a billboard doesn't have to be beautiful. It could be ugly and it gets Mm -hmm. noticed. So I would... Probably see somewhere in your book that you've got something that people have to stand out and figure out a way to be helpful and noticed in their networking. Correct?
2: Uh, yeah, it, well, most most of my on I'm not sure I really really touch on that point. It's not a very long book, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, the, the the biggest way to be to be noticed, remember, those to do something for someone to to help them because there's and I think a lot of people underestimate how much value they can provide. You know, especially if they're maybe, maybe a recent college graduate, they're new in business, they're new in their career and think, well, what do I have to offer? Well, everyone knows people, everyone has something to offer, everyone can at least say say something nice, give a compliment, um, you know, say a friendly word. And so often that makes you stand out because you go to a networking event, 30 people are in there trying to shove their business card in your hand and sell you something. Right. And if you're the one guy who's saying, how can I help you, what can I do for you? Then, then they're gonna say, wow, wow who, who is this? Who is this? so confident they're not trying to sell me something right off the bat?
0: Right. Michael, we want to thank you for being here. We appreciate being our guest. What would be the best way for people to see you on the Internet, to call you, to get your book? Tell us how to reach you. Uh,
2: the best way is to go to the website, Uh, I have a podcast, the same name, and some other things, but you can find it all at that one website, com. Okay.
0: Cool.
2: Fantastic. Mike, thank you. thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you very much. It's been great to be on here.
0: Louie, let's recap on our conversation with Mike, I'm sure you would agree that networking and sales are probably two different things. Yes, I would agree. Okay. I love no. I'd rather not get no all the time, but I'd rather get a no than a maybe.
3: You know, I think when you get a maybe, it keeps you in the air, but I think when you get a no, now you have an angle, a more direct angle of, of how you're gonna attack that person. I don't mean attacking a bad way, I mean how you're gonna go directly into and, and show him another way, another view. Uh, And and you taught me that.
0: It's overcoming an objection. When somebody says no, there's a reason. So we have to overcome the objection. We've talked about our definition of sales, which is creating an atmosphere Mm -hmm. where it is easy for someone to say yes. Yes. So it's either we have to educate them, we've got to find out what they need, we've got to figure out if there's some sort of way that we can help, come up with a solution. So I don't want anybody, and I'm sure you'd
3: agree after all the years we've spent together, that they should be afraid of no think no like you said like i said before you and you the one who taught me that a person who tells you no it's actually opens the door for a whole bunch of other questions
0: right you've got nothing to lose yeah. they've, they've said
3: to no lose. so now now let's that, make it into a yes
0: right i'm glad we're on the same
2: page you're a good man louis yep. no. thank you Hi, I'm Michael Whitehouse, known to many as the Guy Who Knows a Guy. Actually, I know a few thousand guys and gals. Over the past decade, I've spoken to and learned from literally thousands of entrepreneurs, experts, authorities, and professionals. And I've learned a little something from each of them. Today, I teach people to build their own networks. And for those who don't have the time to walk the road I walked, I share my network and my knowledge to help people achieve their goals. Let's connect. Visit GuyWhoKnowSaguy.com
4: call apple insurance at 888 my blue eight today to speak to a licensed agent about your medicare advantage options that's 888 my blue eight apple insurance and florida blue call 888 my blue eight today
5: florida blue is an independent license of the blue cross and blue shield association Workgroup Payroll. We love small business. From one part-time employee to 300, we want to be your payroll partner. If you have questions about employment taxes, PPP forgiveness, or employee retention credits, we can help. Your business can be getting up to $5,000 per employee for 2020 and $7,000 per employee per quarter for 2021. Let's talk about how that works for your business. Call 561-953-2007. Would you rather get better service and pay less or less service and pay far more. It really will take less than 10 minutes to save over 20% switching to workgroup payroll. We make switching easy. Get the service you deserve, the price you like. If you are using a large national payroll service, we want to help you. Call 561-953-2007.
6: Hi. Hi. We're Landing Financial Group. If potential tax increases in the future have been a concern of yours and you haven't done any real tax planning, I urge you to go to planwithlanding.com and download our complimentary guide, Are You Paying Too Much Tax in Retirement? Or you can always call us at 561-229-0009. Again, that's planwithlanding.com. Landing Financial Group provides insurance services, investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AU Wealth Management, LLC.
0: Good morning, this is Alan Bornstein, Louis Alisea, George Cruz with Secret to My Success. We're so glad that you're here with us this crazy ungodly hour of Saturday morning. We have a very special guest with us today, Patrick Sander. Some people know him as Do different things, but Patrick Sander with the Landing Financial Group. Good morning, thank you for being here.
7: Thanks for having me, appreciate it.
0: Fantastic, we have a lot of really cool stuff to talk about this morning. So we're going to start with the name of your company. How did you come up with that name? Landing Financial Group.
7: So I was a commercial pilot originally, and I had some medical issues to where I couldn't fly any longer. It led me into handling my own investments and my own planning. And um, when we decided to move out of aviation into the financial world, I decided to keep everything based around aviation. So we named it Landing Financial. The clients are always the pilot. Our staff is always the crew. Our software is the autopilot, and so it's just kind of maybe hokey, but everything's based around it. And so it's all about destinations, that final destination being not running out of money before you run out of time.
0: Big question for you. Mm -hmm. You went from being a pilot where everything's controlled, everything is documented, to going out to be in your own business. Tell us about the fear of falling out of the
7: plane. Well, you know, it, it was interesting as far as, and I kind of was pushed into it a little bit because of the fact that I could not work, so I could not fly any longer and I wanted to handle my own investments and understand things about insurance. So I started doing it all on my own and then people started coming to me and asking me if I would help them with their situations. And that's kind of where the whole planning realm came. So then it was the fact of going through and getting a license in all the different areas, uh, but that's what we pride ourselves on is being actual planners. Uh, And so I kind of, I would say, was pushed into it more than Uh, But it was kind of weird giving up the aviation and saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to fly any longer. And uh, and I did miss it a lot. And every time I smell jet fuel, I definitely miss it still.
0: The victim of short little left turns is what we call it. You took a left turn, hard left turn to be a pilot. And circumstances in your life changed that whole thing. And you kind of maneuvered around to be in business. Tell us about your business, what you do. What separates you?
7: So what separates us is that, uh, you know, individuals will have investments, they'll have insurance, they'll have retirement plans through work, they'll have all these different entities. They may have to pay their taxes, so they go see it a professional. So they have all these different professionals working for them in all these different areas that never talk to each other. And so what happens is they never truly have a plan to move forward. Our whole function is to pull all those together into one document or even put it onto one page so that we can decide. We see that a lot of people pay unnecessary tax, they don't understand, you know, the difference between like IRAs. It's, it's just there's a lot of uh, assembly out there. And they'll try and ask like their accountant questions. They'll say, well, that's an investment question. They'll go to the investment guy and they'll say, well, that's the tax question. So then they get lost. Like, who do I ask? So for us, we're a one-stop shop where they can ask everything. They're going to get the answers. And we're going to look at the entire retirement system moving forward. And I say retirement, but I'll tell you, when your body doesn't let you go to work anymore, you're retired. So especially for athletes and stuff, they never know when that injury could come up. That's what happened to me. I didn't realize I wasn't going to be able to work. And that's what I've changed my tune now is not retirement. It's when your body doesn't let you go to work anymore. That's when you need to make sure that your plan is truly solid. So you want to put one together beforehand.
3: Patrick, this is Luis. Um, very interesting because I can definitely relate what you're going through or what, what you're doing right now in business. Uh, as an athlete, you know, uh, you play your career and you go through your ups and downs. But when you retire, you really don't know what to do with the investments. I mean, a lot of times an agent will do most of the work for you, but at the same time, when you retire, you don't know what to do. You don't, you don't know what type of business you want to get into or you don't know what to do with your, with your money financially. And what is your clientele? What, what, you know, what is your target there?
7: Yeah, so our clientele, we actually have an all female staff. I'm the only guy there. And we happen to work a lot with widows and divorcees. And the sad thing there is that these widows lose their husbands sometimes a lot younger than them. And they maybe do the day to day financing, but they've never really looked at their assets. They also sometimes own businesses, and they've never had anything to do with the business, so now they're really lost in what to go through and do. So it's nice that they can rely back on us, that we can put everything in order, kind of see where they're at now as a snapshot, and then work them through that whole area. We also help the federal government, because they laid off a lot of their human resources a few years ago, so a lot of the government employees have no clue what they have for benefits. And so we put all the benefit packages together for all of the government employees were contracted to do that. Very nice. We have
0: quite a few people that have come on a show that started their businesses a little bit older they might have been in their 30s their 40s their 50s and it seems like the next step to their phase of retirement is the very last thing they're so worried about growing their business they're so worried about being successful and we have the saying that if you don't know where you're going any road will get you there what advice would you have for the person who's starting their business maybe as a family uh, wife What type of planning advice would you give to a newer entrepreneur about what they should be doing and creating the
7: path? You know, as crazy as it sounds, I think that everybody should always have an out strategy. right? So budgets are always the key to everything, whether it's your individual, your business, you have to know how much money is going out versus what coming in, right? And then if you go through and build an exit strategy or a turnkey system, as we hear a lot. So uh, if you're building a business that it's gonna be about you and you are the business, then that's probably gonna lead you to possible failure, right, because if something happens, you get sick, you can't be there, you never get to go on vacation, you're strapped, I mean, stress, horrible build a business that you can go through and have anybody else run just turnkey they could walk in and, and run it from there. so putting together all of the platforms that somebody could walk in out the street and understand your business and run it you will have an unbelievably successful business and
1: that's that's awesome infor- information especially considering that I'm from a younger generation and kind of as a segue into my next question um, Kind of retirement is not something that us young folk think about, especially right now. I I don't think I'm going to retire, at least not for the next five years. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, What advice would you give to, let's say, uh, a young person who's starting their own business? What information would you give them that? Um, probably they don't even know about because they, they're not thinking about these things.
7: So I think the biggest key there, and it goes for the young people definite, but also older, as, as you know, depending upon the age, but um, don't wanna pay any unnecessary tax, okay? So for us, we do a lot of tax planning. We don't do the tax return, but we do tax planning for all of our clients. And there's a lot of different avenues that you can go to not pay unnecessary tax. The other situation is understand the huge difference between a Roth versus an IRA because if you can go through and and grow a lot of your money tax-free to where you'll never have to count it as income later, it not only will help you uh, as far as in the asset and also transfer the heirs, but you won't have higher social security tax. You won't be in a higher tax bracket. You won't have higher Medicare premiums. There's just a lot of reasons to go through and grow your assets tax-free. And that's where I think young people need to understand because people my age go, man, if I'd have known that back then, I would be this much further ahead. Okay. Now, we can go through and do conversions, but a lot of times age is restrictive to that. So young people need to really go through and look at unnecessary tax, not paying. It. Unnecessary tax.
0: There's a saying, never go to the bank when you need money. Never go to the funeral home to negotiate a funeral when somebody's dead. There yeah. is always advantage to doing, doing things early. early. Yep. The advantage of using a service like yours early, tell us.
7: Yeah, so the, the, the beautiful thing about using a service, like I said, we do all of the planning in one. So people don't have to necessarily have their investments with us or their insurance with us or do their tax with us. But we're going to look at everything. So if they do any one piece of business with us, become a client, then we're going to do everything for them. So we actually work with them, even though they have other advisors out there, but they can always bring other questions to us. And that's what makes all the difference in the world. And people will say, well, geez, why do you do that? Why do you help me out so much? Even though you're not handling my investments, you're not handling this or that referrals. You know what? Because you may have other people that are just like you that don't have the opportunity to have this information and you'll refer to us. The things we see is that you know their advisors may pass, they may move on, maybe they can hand it off to somebody else and eventually they'll come back to us. So we always love to give. I have a lot of people who have won the lotteries, sold their businesses, sold their houses, and then they come back. So we're always willing to give because it'll come back at some point we know. Patrick, how can you be reached? Uh, So you can reach us a couple different ways. If you actually want to learn more about the taxes, we have a guide that will help you with that. And it can go to uh, um, planwithlanding.com or you can contact us at 561-229-0009.
0: Patrick, is there any fee for initial consultation to kind of give some people advice? How do you usually do that?
7: So there's no fee for us to do a consultation, and we don't charge anything for our planning. My wife and I, when we created the company, decided we were never going to charge for our planning because we always want everybody to have the opportunity to have a plan. So we get paid just the exact same way as other, any, any other advisory firm, whether we manage portfolio, we get paid for that. If we write insurance, we get paid on the insurance, for the insurance company, but we never charge for our planning. So as I said, sometimes we do the planning, even though we don't do any products for the person, we don't get paid for that family, but that family will probably refer somebody to us.
0: seems like you're the perfect example. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail.
7: Yeah, that's absolutely right. We do say that a lot. It's actually in the office on the mall.
0: Well, we're so glad that you're here with us and gave us information, provided some great resources for young entrepreneurs or even our older entrepreneurs that are just starting out. So once again, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. We've enjoyed speaking to you, and we wish you the best with your success and the success of you helping thank our you. other thank listeners and what they're trying to achieve.
7: Thank you. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks,
0: Patrick.
4: Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today.
5: Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield
6: Association. If rising taxes against your retirement has been a concern of yours, you're not alone. We're Landing Financial Group. I urge you to go and download our complimentary guide. Are you paying too much tax in retirement? At planwithlanding.com. Or you can call us at 561-229-0009. That's planwithlanding.com. Landing Financial Group provides insurance services, investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through A Wealth Management, LLC
5: your workers comp specialist no money down workers comp pay for your coverage as you use it non-compliant workers comp fines from the state of florida start at one thousand dollars when you get caught they will find you when you have questions and need help wgp insurance services will answer your call getting the right coverage can save you thousands of dollars a year call 561-953-2007
0: Good morning. This is Alan with Secret to My Success. And today we have a wonderful guest, Melissa Nash, who's the president and CEO of
8: Checkmark Collections.
0: Checkmark Collections. Tell us about you and Checkmark Collections.
8: Um, Checkmark Collections is a small boutique agency, as I like to refer to it, located in West Palm Beach, Florida. And we handle first-party and third-party debt collection for typically small and medium-sized businesses in the local
0: marketplace. So dialing for dollars is what we called it when I was a kid in college collecting car loans. And I'm sure way back when, the things that we said and did are totally unacceptable today. In fact, I remember one, your credit is so bad, you can't put underwear on layaway at Kmart. Nobody should be saying things like this in collections. So tell us, how did you get into collections?
8: So it was um, kind of a backwards way in. So um, how I got started was through the real estate marketplace. So I was a business manager, office manager for a lot of companies. And was very active in the home building industry. And of course, back in 2008, eight, nine, ten, we began to see the um, economic decline and the housing bubble. And so a lot of friends called me and said, Melissa, I can't get paid. I don't know what to do. So we started the business as more of a bookkeeping agency, helping businesses with the AR side of their receivables. And realized that I was leaving a lot of money on the table by not being a licensed collection agency. So we started in 2007 and in 2008 went and got my license.
0: That's fantastic. So 2008, it's now 13 years later. What are you doing differently than from the day you started?
8: Um, a few things differently in that we're doing um, larger accounts. So it's not just home building and we're not doing, you know, homeowners associations and smaller accounts. So we do have some nice national accounts. We're working with some banks and other things. But the interesting part is that we franchised our business this year. So COVID kind of changed the idea of working from home, um, home ownership, small business. It's kind of hard to operate the huge, big mansion, uh, you know, big collection agency. And so what I decided a long time ago, I had the idea that this was the, the right time to launch the franchising.
0: Our show is about helping people either start a business or to grow their current business. This is a great opportunity for us to talk about franchising. We haven't discussed franchising on any of our other shows. Tell me, if you were to speak to somebody who is interested in your business, what's the advantage of using a franchise operation in your particular marketplace versus trying to recreate this whole thing on their own?
8: I've paid the dumb tax and there's no reason for you to pay it too. That's the short version of the story, and the reality is that with our industry, we're extremely regulated. If you can imagine, we have to have a shredding policy. How do we handle our shredding? Putting a piece of paper in if you have to take a piece of paper out. Who's your key policy? How do you open this? How do you handle the dispute? Very typical things that happen through all of the agencies across the United States. So when you take a lot of these back office redundancies and you bundle them and you put them together in a united in a team, then you're actually expanding the value to the to the small mom and pop owner operated agency. You take to the fact that you have licensing in different municipalities and or states. So as the brand grows, and we grow out into the 50 states and into the other markets, it's not just where you are geographically, but it's also what market do you serve. So you're, we can serve different markets, we can serve different regions all under one United brand. And that's the ultimate goal.
0: The back office would be included the legal, all the processes of collecting money would be included in getting this business started, correct?
8: It's not included, but it's, it's bundled and we teach you how to do it more from a bundle and also look at it from a buying power.
0: How do you teach somebody to go out and sell this service?
8: Well, I think that you have to have a good understanding of legal and or accounting, probably a little bit of both and what you're really selling is empathy. So we're an empathetic problem solver for the smaller, medium-sized business who's in pain. So I'm in pain because somebody owes me $10,000 and $10,000 to a small mom and pop agency may be their profit for the year. So in order to replace that 10,000, they may have to do $100,000 worth of work and make a 10% profit margin to to recoup those dollars. So I find myself actually helping individuals lives and helping their bottom lines, they can keep prices down, they can give their employees bonuses, they can do the things that they need to do when we legitimately return dollars to them that, that their businesses have earned.
0: I'm a dinosaur. I come from an old headhunting background. And I had a gentleman that came into my office one day and he says to me that he wants to go out and do networking. And I said, look, you loser, you just want me buying you breakfast and lunch. You see that phone, rub it up against your ear and make it your best friend and call everybody or I will beat you with it. And 90 days later, the guy couldn't close a door. So I actually had to change my way and it's all about networking and growing business and meeting a lot of people. How does that affect your business as far as you bringing in new clients and your networking capabilities?
8: Well, we love bringing in new clients and helping it, but what we find is a lot of people live in denial and nobody wants to admit to their pain. You don't want to admit to your back office. You don't want to admit to what's broken. So what we find is that a lot of businesses is their internal processes and procedures may need some improvement. So can you imagine a bad billing process? And a bad billing process can turn into a collection issue. Well, you really don't have a collection problem. That's the result of a bad billing problem. So we try to work with businesses to clean up their back end, clean up their office structures, fix what they need to fix behind so that you don't have a third-party collection issue. But if you have one, we want to make sure that you have all the right tools in place. Networking is easy. The reality is that the business owner has to trust you. They have to trust you with their clients. They have to trust you with their um, intellectual information, their contracts, their price sheets, the different things that they have. And they have to trust that you're going to protect their reputation and not be the agency that puts them on dateline, not be the agency that gets them in trouble because you've said or done something that is now illegal.
0: That's crazy. It is crazy. You know, a lot of people don't think about it from that perspective. They think about... I just need to collect my debt or I've got an issue, but you have to think about the other side, which is how do we do this legitimately, legally, in most cases, probably try to do it friendly so that there's no animosity, but at least you get paid.
8: Well, we try, but at the same time, we will sue people. We'll litigate people. um, We do judgment recovery. You know, listen, I'm going to tell you, um, we've levied a wine locker at Morton's. Okay, we have taken a um, asked for a levy from a wedding ring that was in a photograph on a woman's hand and asked the sheriff to please have the wedding ring that's on her hand removed so that our client can can sell that wedding ring to recover their money. There are legal things that you can do that are somewhat funny. You know, I'm known for I'm known for being a little aggressive, um, but there are legal ways that you can collect for your clients. And those are two of my favorite stories. I
0: have to ask, is that couple still married? No. <laughs> Somebody comes and pulls her, her wedding ring off Yeah, but she... But he would he, think that's a problem. Let
8: me just tell you that he left her. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> huh.
0: So I know you're also involved in not-for-profits.
8: Love my not-for-profits.
0: How does your experiences help your not-for-profits? And how does your not-for-profit experience help you in business?
8: So the biggest thing that I find with my not-for-profits is we have to invest in our community. And so as a, as a community leader, we have to find our way to give back. You'd be surprised how many people eat, dine, pay for sponsorship, and then don't pay the, the not-for-profit. Somebody asks for marketing, somebody asks for a headline, and they show up with their table full of guests, and they get all the PR and all the media and everything else, and at the end of the day, they don't pay the not-for-profit. Yes, it happens. Yes, it happens and um, that's how I can help the not-for-profits to make sure that they capture the the money that they intended to have that comes there. And on the flip side, we just have to give back to our community. So I try to help them have good sponsorship agreements and then understand what they need to do. So not pay a charity and I will call you, just saying.
0: Well, listen, Nash, we're running out of time. We'd love to spend a couple hours with you and do this, but I'm gonna ask you for a closing statement of what you would recommend to a young woman that's trying to start their own business today? What advice would you give to them?
8: Um, I think there's one book that you need to read, okay? Um, you have to go through the Gina Wickman books that you have to do. Um, and, and Rocket Fuel was probably, it's, it's, it's one of the three that you have to do and you have to find that driver that's in there. But I'm going to tell you to listen to your gut. Don't listen to the advisors. Don't listen to the naysayers. And don't listen to the people who want you to only have rose-colored glasses That uh, and, and, and oversell yourself. Just listen to your gut.
0: That's some great advice. We really appreciate being here with us today. Thank you so much. We will have you back.
8: Thank you. Glad Thank to be you. here.
5: WGP Insurance Services. Most people don't know. When your workers' comp coverage is canceled or lapses, your insurance carrier notifies the state of Florida you have no coverage. They make it really easy for the state to find you. The state will find you too. Please make sure you are covered. Fine start at 1000 dollars They have the right to order you to show your bank statements and all related documents. It is cheaper and easier to get the most affordable coverage with no money down. Call 561
4: today to speak to a licensed agent about your medicare advantage options that's 888 my blue 8 apple insurance and florida blue call 888 my blue 8 today
5: florida blue is an independent license of the blue cross and blue shield association
6: if rising taxes against your retirement has been a concern of yours you're not alone we're landing financial group I urge you to go and download our complimentary guide. Are you paying too much tax in retirement at planwithlanding.com? Or you can call us at 561-229-0009. That's planwithlanding.com. Landing Financial Group provides insurance services, investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AU Wealth Management, LLC. Uh,
0: Good morning. Welcome to Secret to My Success, we have a very special guest this morning, Caleb Quaid, who's with myself, George, and Louis Alsea. You guys all say hi at the same time. Hi! <laughs> Caleb, thanks for being with us. Thank so, you
9: for having me, Alan. I appreciate it.
0: We were just talking about this. I've known you for a long time. It's 12 plus years. You were with the Miami Dolphins, and you were a pretty young intern or a, a newbie there. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I think it's thir- 13
9: years, plus or minus. Um, yeah, I was there. started as a, an intern after grad school with, with the Dolphins and did that for a few years and um, was fortunate to get the chance to know you during that time. It was awesome.
0: But you progressed pretty quick, and it had nothing to do with me, but you're an impressive guy. So tell me, you moved your way up from an intern. What were you doing for the Dolphins before you left?
9: Yeah, so went went from, from an internship into a corporate development type role, sponsorship and marketing. Um, and, in that, t- and that role was bringing in sponsors and, and growing the business for, for the Dolphins there on the corporate side. And then got the opportunity, once in a lifetime opportunity to come to the Buccaneers to be the uh, right hand man to our chief operating officer in 2012 and got to work with him on whatever the most complicated project of the day was for, um, for, uh, was there for about a decade. The, the, role evolved some during that time, but got a chance to see the ins and outs of the business, working from the office of COO was a pretty good thing early in my career to get the opportunity to do.
0: So safe start
9: to... So I guess you became a Tom Brady fan right away, huh? Well, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've loved Tom Brady forever. I mean, it's, it's hard not to appreciate what he's done, but you know, when he came to Tampa, that was one of the highlights of... I mean, we you know, we I'd spent my first 11 seasons in the NFL. We hadn't uh, hadn't made the playoffs, and... Tom Brady comes and that changed a little bit uh, last year for sure
0: Um, so Caleb safe to say you had a pretty good job I know you're a hard worker you've moved up you've progressed you did pretty well with both organizations correct yes and you probably had some pretty good job security probably a really cool career path yes
9: yeah, yeah, I think so.
0: I'm leading the witness. Your team wins the Super Bowl. You wake up one day and have an epiphany. Tell us about the epiphany.
9: Well, yeah, it was it was a process a little bit longer than, than that. Um, but you know, yeah, it was it was an amazing season. You know, we go through the the whole the whole year, and you know, at different points, you know, it's a little bit up and down. But make the wild card, and then somehow rip off three straight road wins and get to the Super Bowl. I get a chance to sit in the stands in my home stadium and, and watch the Super Bowl next to my best friend for 25 years and see an incredible game that, that you know, results in, you know, everybody getting Super Bowl rings on the team. Um, and it was, it was amazing. And, and for me, it was um, a culmination of my, my career and a lot of hard work that I had done there. But it also, for me, was, you know, wasn't the meaning of life, right? Getting the Super Bowl ring didn't um, – You know, didn't didn't give me the yeah. It wasn't my meaning of life. It was an amazing experience, but led me to realize it was kind of like a capstone of what I was doing for the career, and it was maybe time for my next journey.
0: So that's what we're going to talk about your next journey because I think your next journey is so cool, but it is so hard to jump off the cliff. Think about it. You had job security. You're making good money. You're with a Super Bowl winning team, and you jumped. Let's hear
5: about it.
9: Yeah. So kind of came to. The change in passion you know I, I got into football because that was the only thing I could see myself being happy doing for a long time and, and it was a great it was my dream job it was carved out and exactly what I was looking to do but as I progressed and became a family man and grew in my career I started getting into um, different interests and in realizing that there's maybe things that are bigger than football that that were calling me to, to do so I, I left in July, gave him a couple months' notice, and left in July to, to form a company called Regenerative Shift, which is focused on sustainability with um, really even going beyond sustainability to some amazing practices that are, are scientifically proven that can, can actually heal the earth and go beyond sustainability in, um, in ways that just needs a lot more attention and, and a lot more action as we, we face some of the, the, the crises that we're dealing with.
0: So let's get a little more granular. So we're talking about these processes of construction, correct?
9: Well, so yeah, so yeah, maybe take a take a step back. A lot of what I'm dealing with right now is looking. At, you know, there's there's an industry around regenerative agriculture which is um, basically soil practices, you know, management of soil in a way that can sequester all kinds of carbon in the soil and draw down the carbon in the atmosphere. And there's a big study that came out in 2014 and got reconfirmed in 2020 that says if we globally, a little bit pie in the sky picture to to think we can do this, but globally if we switch from industrial agriculture, monoculture, fertilizer, that type of stuff to regenerative practices, which is focused on soil health, we could actually sequester more uh, more carbon in the soil than mankind produces. So as we look at this global crisis of all this carbon that we're putting in the atmosphere and the inertia that we seem to have on, on making changes on it there's a solution that's out there that it boils down to if you could put two percent more carbon in the soil than we have there today it would offset what we're doing as mankind from a carbon perspective which you know doesn't quite tell the whole picture but it's certainly a big piece of the puzzle what we're going to have to figure out in the next decade here as we're going through and so what regenerative shift is looking at certainly agriculture can play into it, to what i'm doing but I see this as something that every business can do, every person can do, and the choices they're making with what they're doing with their lawns and businesses as part of their corporate sustainability program, let's look at your land and what can be done to regenerate that land and sequester carbon, along with building the habitats, building biodiversity, producing healthy food if you go that route, and actually the best way to keep your waters clean is holistic land management as well. So it's hard to overstate kind of some of the benefits of it, and I just saw this opportunity. It aligned with my passions. I said, you know, nobody's really talking about this, so I'm going to make a leap and Hope I
0: can make it work. Caleb, I want you to think about the first guy who decided that we shouldn't be using horses anymore and we're going to put fuel into a car and make it work. Or the first guy that had to go out there and convince somebody to buy life insurance. Sir, so I want you to give me some money, and when you're dead, I'll give somebody else some money. So it's <laughs> it's a groundbreaking thing, and what you're doing is a groundbreaking thing. So
9: yeah, so um, you know, doing a lot of grassroots, a lot of conversations. Obviously, Alan, you and I have talked about it a little bit, but you know, what's exciting to me is there's a lot of people who have already been doing this. It maybe hasn't hit the complete mainstream yet, um, but we're getting really close. Like I saw um, Walmart announced a couple weeks ago that they want to be a regenerative company and have committed to direct funding of 30,000 farms to transition from industrial agriculture to regenerative agriculture. And not necessarily counting on Walmart to save the world, but it, it seems to me that A, that means they've heard about it. And B, it means that they are starting to look at it from a business perspective and a PR perspective and realizing that this is the way that we need to go with things. And Pepsi just had a big announcement, Nestle had a big announcement. So I'm seeing these large consumer brands starting to buy into this concept of degeneration. And I see, you know, a gap at you know, what I'm looking at is stadiums, small, medium, large size businesses, airports, communities, wherever basically anybody will listen to me on what we can do to to, you know, do this on a corporate level, if you have a sustainability program, whether it's robust or not, how do we also look at the land as a part of it, as you know, in addition to whatever we may be doing from a lead building perspective or water efficiency or energy efficiency and the traditional sustainable programs, which are all awesome as well and need to be done.
0: Caleb, is this your first business? It is, yeah. What keeps you up at night? You know, it's just getting getting it off the ground. I mean, you touched on it of
9: being you know, taking a leap here and, and giving up a steady income and giving up what had been a, a dream job for me for something that most of my conversations with people, I'm starting at the basics of telling them what regeneration is, which um, is a great opportunity, but also may mean I'm a couple years ahead of it. And so as I look towards how I provide stability for my two young children and, and and for, you know, the mortgage that I have to pay and all that stuff, there's definitely some some anxiety that comes with taking such a big leap that, you know, put me out there. Caleb, you have a timeline on this. I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, I've really, I, you know, one of the things that was really important to me um, before I launched this business in earnest was to, to do some regeneration of my own. So when I was working with the Buck, it was awesome, but it wasn't a sustainable lifestyle for me. July, August, September every year were 90 hour weeks, were high stress. You know, I had some health effects of working there, dealing with some of the stress that, that I was dealing with. And so when I, when I left the Bucks in July, my initial plan was, well, I'm going to take a few months and actually, you know, regenerate my own life and and work on the, the habits and practices. So every morning I'm getting up and I'm right now I'm reading a book called Atomic Habits, and I read it 30 minutes every morning and have a routine that I'm laying out and, and things that I'm doing to, to build my lifestyle. So I, I say that to say that, you know, I've, I've intentionally kind of taken some time to my, – my dad calls it sharpening the saw rather than just getting out there and trying to saw down the tree with a dull saw – I've been learning and getting. I got a lead credential that would that would help with it. Um But all that said, you know, my website is launching on September 30th, which I think will be before this podcast is live, and that's when it's really full go for me. So I've, I've had some conversations with the stadium that I came from on a bamboo project that we're gonna gonna do there. Talking to some other large venues and and really just ready to hit the gas on this thing and well, bam, get rolling. Bamboo right now. is a wood of the bamboo is a wood of the future. <laughs> It is. I mean, a bamboo... Don't tell
0: Chinese people that. They've been doing this for years.
9: Yeah. Well, yeah, bamboo's amazing. So bamboo's the fastest-growing uh, plant, uh, fastest-growing grass in the world, one of the fastest-growing plants. It um, can sequester more carbon than any plant other than sea kelp in terms of per acre. So as part of our carbon solution... There's going to be fields of bamboo in different
0: places. Caleb, we're running out of time here, but let me ask you a question. One last question. If you saw the movie Moneyball, John Henry said to uh, uh, Billy Bean, the first guy who goes through the wall gets bloody. Everybody else follows. So it seems like you are the first guy who's going through the wall. You're going to get bloody. We hope that you're going to sustain and make this work because it's so important for the rest of us that your idea grows some legs and some feet and starts running on its own.
9: Well, thank you. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I, am, I, I do think that there have been people who've gone before me who have made this an opportunity, and there's a the whole network of people that are really excited about what I'm doing and more broadly about the whole movement. And so I, I do think the time is right, and I, I hope I can get through with just a few scratches instead of, you know, leaving it all on the wall, if you know what I mean.
0: So tell us your website.
9: Yeah, it's, it's regenerativeshift.com and then I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn and uh, you can check me out. But yeah, regenerativeshift.com has a hub of basically, I found out there wasn't really a lot of great information all consolidated anywhere on the internet about the regeneration movement. And so while I was taking the time to find it, I just bookmarked everything and put a little website with resources and education on it so you can go there and find all kinds of information as deep as you want to dive into the movement and love to talk to anybody who wants to Talk about what they're doing individually or with their business.
0: Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Caleb, thanks for being here. We're going to wrap this up. Louie, anything else you want to add?
3: No, I just, you know, I like when people jump out and, and, and take initiative and I know he's got a lot of drive and it's kind of like when they used to tell me hey man you're not going to make it you're not going to make it but you keep working hard at it and you have the mindset you have the work ethic and you have the dedication and determination and go forward and you, you throw it all out there and make it work and I think this, I think Caleb is going to do that well thank you thank
9: you for that and thank you guys for for helping get me on and getting the word out that means a lot thanks
3: sir yeah. appreciate
0: it
5: Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3. Tune in next week for more from Alan, George, Lewis, and their spectacular guests. Find the secret to your success.